please turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5, and we're going to start reading at verse number 1. Then we're going to skip down to verse number 14. And in verse number 1 it says, Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Israel, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master because by him, by him the Lord gave him victory to Syria. And he was also a mighty man of valor, but I want you to look at that next little word right there, but a leper. And now let's go down to verse number 14. So he went down and he dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a child and he was clean. Verse number 15. And he returned to the man of God and all of his aides and he came and stood before him and he said, Indeed now. I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. But he said, As the Lord lived before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. And I've read this passage many times, and I've never seen this in the Bible. And I want you to look just for a moment. In verse number 17, So Naaman said, Then, if not, please let your servant be given two mules loads of earth for your servant will no longer offer either burnt offerings or sacrifices to other gods than your Lord. He went to say, he said, just give me two loads of earth. And, uh, and, and I had never read that too. Give me two mules. Give me a mule load of, of dirt. So today I want to preach to you just on a thought that I had this week and just one touch. Just one touch. So if you would, stretch your hands toward heaven and pray for me and pray with me this morning. Dear God, our most gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you this morning for everything that you mean to us, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, that you would take me this morning, Lord, that you would hide me behind your cross, Lord. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would just speak each and every word through me this morning, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, that we come to you, Lord, not with man's wisdom, but God, I pray with empower of the Holy Ghost this morning, Lord, that you would just saturate your people, Lord. God, open our ears to hear, Lord. And God, I pray that this morning, Lord, that you would just come down, Lord, that you would just heal, that you would deliver, that you would set free, Lord. I pray that somebody's life would be changed this morning, Lord, for what you're going to do in this place, Lord. God, I ask you that you would just be with me, Lord, and God, that you would do like only you can do in Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen. But this morning, uh, I want to talk to you just on a thought that I had, just one touch. How many knows that all it takes from Jesus is just one touch? Hey, man, I'm just glad. I need you. I'm going to need some help this morning because I don't know, but, uh, and I was reading, and I found this story, John, that it said there was a girl that was by the name of Dorothy. And it was her first day of speech class, and the teacher was going around the class, and how many knows that I used to hate that? Whenever the teacher would go around and she'd say, tell us who you are, tell them your name, and all this stuff, and I'm sitting here going, oh, Jesus, maybe they won't get to me like they won't. But I, I, they, they, was having, uh, he, they went around the room, and the students were having them introduce themselves, and to the response of this question, what do you like the most about yourself, and what don't you like the most about yourself? And hiding in the back of the class was Dorothy. Her long red hair was down in her face. It was covering all of her face. And when it got to, for Dorothy's turn to introduce herself, there was silence in the room. Thinking that she had not heard the question, the teacher 
moved his chair over to her and he gently uh, repeated the question and again silence. Finally, after a few moments went by, Dorothy with a big deep sigh, she sat up and she pulled back her hair and her face and a big red birthmark that covered the side of her face and she said, this is what I do not like about myself. And you see, here we see a young lady that she was devastated about her hideous birthmark that she had. And I would say that by that birthmark everywhere that she went, people always pointed at it. People always talked about it. People would probably ridicule. People would probably make fun of her. People would probably always say all kinds of things and gestures about it because of the way that she looked. They never got to the inside of her. They never once got to know who she was, so she always covered up her face. She always hid who she was. But she never wanted to, they never revealed the inner part of who she was. You see, all she was, she was just desperate for one touch from somebody this morning. You see, you may be sitting in this place and you may be broken on the inside. You may be hurting. You may not know which way to turn. But this morning, you may be sitting here saying, I'm desperate from a touch this morning from God. And you see, we read about a man by the name of Naaman. And he was desperate for a touch. You see, he was the captain. He was the host of the Syrian army. He was a five-star general, I would believe. You see, he was a... He was a man that was successful in life. He had everything going on. He was disciplined. He was trained. He was a great leader. He had risen to the top of the chain just about. You see, he was, the Bible said that he was a great servant. He was a great man in, in, the, in the king's eyes. He was an honorable man. He was a mighty man of valor. He was a great warrior. He was a great commander. He had won many victories. He was a hero in them that or those days and times. You see, he was envied across the whole country. Everybody wanted to be just like Naaman. Everybody wanted to be just like him. And that's the what we want to be. Wouldn't you like to be known like Naaman was in those days? Wouldn't you like to be somebody that says, you know what? He was a great servant. She was an honorable woman of God. She was a mighty, he was a mighty man of valor. He was somebody that was a hero in the faith of God. I don't know about you, but that's what I want to go down as known as. I want to be somebody that's known as somebody that was a, a, a man of faith. I, was, I want to be somebody that was a mighty man of valor, that was a mighty man after God's heart. You see, that's what I wanted to be. But... There's a three-letter word, a three-letter conjunction. That small little word changed everything that we just said. You see, everything that Naaman was, all it took was one little three-letter word that changed everything. And the Bible said, but he had a skin disease. He had leprosy. You see, he could talk about all of his great accomplishments. I'm sure that he went around and he could probably boast out his chest just a little bit and he could say how he conquered many armies, how he defeated many great men, how he done all these great things, how he was so powerful in the country, how he had so many possessions, how he had all this wealth and he had the biggest house than anybody else. He probably drove the nicest cars around. He probably had everything that everybody wants today. But there was one thing, it all disappeared whenever he looked at himself in a mirror. You see, every time that he, that he looked at himself, he was looking at somebody that was defined in life by a disease. 
You see, there's people that's sitting inside of this building this morning that you're defined by something more than just that's like, like a disease and it's absolutely eating away at your inside. You may come in and say, you know what, you've got a bad attitude this morning. Maybe you're coming in and you're saying, you know what, my heart's broken for something that happened way back in my past. You see, I can't get over the hurt that I had in my last church or I can't get over the hurt that I'm experiencing right now because I'm looking in the mirror and it's defining who I am. You see, he was a leopard and there was nothing that could change that very moment. You see, so many times we come into church and, and, and we're sick and, and, and not only through sin, but it could be through other hurts. But we come in service after service and we let that define who we are through our worship, through our praise. We let that define who we become whenever we go out there. We don't want to tell somebody about how good Jesus is because we got a cancer on the inside of us that's eating away at us. You see, whenever I start thinking about how things define us, I started thinking about a, a guy that when I was a kid, Christopher Reeves, and some of you younger ones will probably never know who that is. I know that he's passed away now, but Christopher Reeves, you, you can think about it. He was, a, he was a movie star. He was wealthy. He was a nice-looking man. I mean, he was handsome. He won lots of awards. He walked down many red carpets. He was one of Hollywood's most elite in those days. He was respected, and he was loved by fans all around. You see, but he was once known as probably my favorite as Superman. You see, he could, he could melt steel. Nichols, he could jump buildings in a single bound and in in just a one little leap. He could fly, and I thought that was what was awesome about Superman. But even though he's passed now, he was known at toward the end of his career, he was known as somebody that was bound to a wheelchair. He was paralyzed from the way, from the neck down because he had a, a, a terrible accident. And that's what defined him here on earth in his last few, few years on earth. You see, there was nothing that could change that fact. You see, the fact is, Naaman, he was a leper. You see, the fact is that Naaman had a disease that was like AIDS of our day today. You see, Naaman, the leopards, they were isolated and they were humiliated. They were the outcasts. They were the original untouchables. They were forced to shout, unclean, unclean, anytime they come upon an unaffected person. You see, it was the most feared disease of its day. It was extremely contagious, and in many cases, it was incurable, even led to death. You see, Naaman's leprosy, was probably in its first and its beginning stages. Just like somebody that's in here this morning, you know what, you're going through some stuff and, and, and you don't want to give it over to God and it's probably in its first and, it, and it's probably in its beginning stages and you can probably wear some sleeves and you can begin to cover it up just a little bit. You see, you may be doing some things that, that you think nobody knows about, but you know that God already knows about them. You see, you may be watching some things. You may be listening to some things. You may be having some conversations that you're not supposed to be having. And you see, it's in the early stages, so you can hide it just a little bit. You can act still spiritual enough to be able to pacify everybody else. But I'm going to tell you something. You can't pacify God. You see, so we're too busy trying to hide up our sin just a little bit. We believe that we can come in and that we can wear sleeves long enough or, or we can do our makeup just enough and we can hide our imperfections. But while people treated him respectfully now, they couldn't touch Naaman because he had a disease. 
And, the, and what hurt Naaman the most, it wasn't that, that he had all these great wealth, he had all this awesome stuff, but what hurt Naaman the most, John, is nobody could touch him any longer. And you see, just like Naaman and just like Dorothy, we too long for such a meaningful touch. I don't know about you, but I've been in a place in a time before where I didn't care about what was going on around me. I just needed a touch in my life. I didn't care what was going on. I just needed a touch from the Holy Ghost. I needed God to just reach way down and say, you know what, I got you, Dwight. I don't know about you, but I've been in a place before where I didn't care about what was going on. I needed a touch from God this morning. Hey, man, I don't know what you're at right now. I don't know where you're at, but I don't know, but I need a touch from him this morning. You see, why is it that when I'm away from Darla and the girls, Nicholas, I can't wait to get home to just grab them, to hug them and kiss them? You see, there's something about a touch. You see, why is it whenever the defeated athlete, we always walk by and we pat them on the shoulder and say, good job. Why do we always give a big bear hug to a long lost friend that we've not seen for years? Why is it that we hold our babies so tightly and so closely? Why is it when one of my girls is sad or if something's happening and Darla's sad and she just looks at me and she says, hold me. You see, there's something about a touch this morning. You see, a touch is acceptance. A touch means comfort this morning. You see, a touch means health this morning. And I'm going to tell you something. I, I can't imagine going throughout life without being touched this morning. I can't imagine uh, going through life without somebody to hold my hand just a little bit. I couldn't imagine going through life without Darla holding my hand a little bit. I can't imagine uh, her not asking me to rub her back or something like that or, or just somebody patting me on the back saying, hey, good job. I don't know about you, but there's just something about a touch this morning that we each and every one need. And you see, Naaman didn't have to imagine life without a touch, but it was reality to him because that became his birthmark this morning. If I had to ask you just a question, what is your birthmark this morning? What is the thing that's absolutely so hideous in your life that you can't get into the presence of God this morning? What is your leprosy this morning? What is the thing that is making you so sick on the inside that you can't get into the presence of God because it's like a cancer inside of you? What is the problem that's, what, that you're trying to hide this morning? You see, you can't fool God, but I'm going to tell you something. God wants to give us, each and every one, a touch this morning. What are you trying to cover up? What is the thing in our life that you're trying to cover up so nobody can see this morning. What is it? What is it that you need a touch from this morning? Only you and God knows that this morning. For far too long, we've come into the presence of God. We've come into God's house and we've tried to cover up our problems. We've tried to cover up our mess. We try to cover up our stinking thinking. We try to cover up what God wants to do. And God's all along saying, you know what? If you would place yourself, if you would position yourself where I can give you a touch, then I'm going to move upon your situation. Just one touch is all it takes this morning. You see, I believe that Naaman made just a few mistakes. And I'm going to go real fast over some of these mistakes that he made. In verse number 5, he said, he offered the wrong price. I'm going to tell you, so many times we need a touch from God, but we're offering the wrong price. You see, Naaman come into the presence and he said, you know what? I've got 10 talents of silver, 6,000 pieces of gold, 
and 10 changes of raiment. That's 750 pounds of silver and 150 pounds of gold. I don't know about you, but that was a lot of money. You see, he was willing to pay any price to be healed. But I don't know about you, but God doesn't care about how, what the size of your bank account is. What God is interested in is if you're willing to surrender your will this morning. If you're willing to become obedient this morning. If you're willing to strip aside everything in your life and say, you know what, I'm going to come to you because I need a touch from you this morning. You see, you can't pay your way into a healing this morning because I'm going to tell you something. The price was already paid at Calvary. Listen, when he hung between the heavens and the earth and whenever he died, I'm going to tell you, it was for our salvation and it was for each and every one of our healings this morning, Ray. I'm going to tell you, that's exactly what it was for. We can't buy our way into a healing this morning, a touch from God, but we got to go after a touch this morning. How hungry are you for a touch this morning? Are we just hungry enough to come in and just go through the morning worship service just so we can go outside and come back next week broke, busted, and disgusted? Listen, God wants to send a touch. He doesn't care about how much is in your bank account more than He cares about what's in your heart and how bad do you want it this morning. Amen. How bad do you want Him this morning? The second thing is in verse number uh, 5, He said He went to the wrong person. So many times we get so caught up in, in a man. You see, the Bible said that, that he went to the king of Israel, but the king couldn't help him. You see, all along, uh, Elisha, or uh, Naaman's wife's slave servant, she told him, she said, I know a man of God that's in Israel, and that's where you need to go. But you see, he didn't think that. I'm going to tell you something. So many times we put our trust in a man, and a man will only let you down. You see, and I believe that, that Naaman had it all messed up, and he was mixed up. And the third thing that he did is he went to the wrong place. Has anybody ever went to the wrong place? Amen. In verse number 8 he said, Elisha told the king, he said, let him come to me. And that's what he should have done in the first place, but so many times we have to learn just a little bit the hard way. You see, Elisha, he wasn't being boastful. He was, he was confident in who he was in the Lord. You see, he knew that his God could meet Naaman's need this morning. You see, in verse number 9, it said, Naaman came and he stood outside the door. You see, he was so close, but so far away. He come to Elisha's house, but he didn't come to Elisha. So many people, we're coming in sick, we're coming in affected, we're coming in needing a touch from God, but we come into the house, but we don't come into his presence. I wish somebody would listen to me just a little bit this morning. So many times we come into the house of God, but we don't come into His presence this morning. Listen, we need a move from God, and we think that we come into the house of God, but we don't get into the presence of God. I promise you this morning, if you'll just get into His presence, I promise you that He'll meet each and every need that you have this morning. Amen. So many times we've got it mixed up. We think coming to the house of God is going to fix our need, but we need to get into the presence of God this morning. I wish somebody would give him a hand clap right now. But you know the fourth thing that he did that was absolutely wrong, and this is what's wrong. This is me. If it, it's probably not you. He wanted to do it his way. And I've said this before, this isn't Burger King. You don't have it your way in the house of God, but you have it his way. And the thing about it is, in verse number 11, it said, Elisha sent a messenger, and he said, go wash seven times in the Jordan, and you shall be clean. And how many knows that 
Naaman, he threw an absolute fit. He said, you know, why would I go wash in that mud hole whenever I got, I'm going to pass two awesome rivers. I don't have to go wash there because there's two really nice ones right here that I'm going to pass to get to Jordan. And so many times whenever we, we think that we're going to do it our way, we think God, you know what, he makes it so simple, but yet we want to do it our way. You see, Naaman got upset. He was mad because, you know what, he thought it should have been a harder way. He, should, he thought it should have been, there should have been more to it. You see, too many times we're missing out on our healing. We're missing out on our victory. We're missing out on our joy. We're missing out on a spiritual encounter with God because we want to try to do it our way. We want to try to fix our own problems. We think if God don't move fast enough, you know what, I'm going to fix it myself. I know more than what God knows. So if it don't do it in my time, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to fix it myself. We think that we know more than he does. But God said, if you'll just wait. And I believe when we humble ourselves and we wait, I believe that he's going to show up just in time. I believe that he's going to do exactly what he said that he was going to do. You see, it wasn't the water that was going to heal Naaman, but it was his obedience that was going to heal Naaman. You see, it didn't take going down seven times to heal Naaman, but he had to get him to a place where he could move upon him. Amen. And I believe, Tanner, won't you come up here real quick? No, let me, yeah, come on, Tanner. Jace walked out. Oh, man, I couldn't. You can't be too mad at me, but you got to go home with me. Come over here, Naaman. Naaman that. But we're going to say that Tana is, is Naaman. And the first time that I believe that Naaman went down to the pool of Jordan, I believe that he looked at it and he said, that is absolutely the most disgusting place. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not getting in that water. You getting in that nasty water, Naaman? No, no. I'm not getting in that water. That, that is absolutely the most, that is disgusting. I don't care if he said dip seven. I'm not going down in that water because it's absolutely. See, everybody that was watching, I believe that there was all kinds of people that was around the riverbank. I believe that there was a lot of these men that were standing around. You see, they didn't know that Naaman was sick because you know why? Because he had it covered up for so long. You see, he had his sickness covered up. He had his disease covered up. Nobody knew that Naaman was a leopard at this time. But I believe that the first time that Naaman went down, there was nothing that happened. And you see, he got up, and I believe that you're looking at a five-star general that said, this is ridiculous, this is the most stupidest thing that I've ever done. I, I, can't, I can't do this. I'm not even going to try to do it again. I, I'm done. I, I'm going home. You see, it's not worth it to him. He said, there's got to be a better way. And how many times have we tried to shortcut God? and thinking that there was a better way. There's been so many times that God has sent us a plan in our lives, but yet we want to try to become so spiritual. We want to become so, uh, act like we're something that we're not. We want to be the most spiritual individual on the planet, but we, we don't read and we don't pray the way that we should. We try to shortcut God in His Word when we don't even know His Word because we don't read His Word. We don't even know God because we don't even pray. You see, we try to shortcut God in our, our short, do a lot of shortcuts in our days. And, and listen, I, I know that I'm not trying to throw any punches because I'm heavy. I, I like being, I like to lose about 20 pounds because I like to put it back on in cheesecakes, what I tell everybody. But how many knows that so many times we want to cut weight, but yet we want to do it an easy way. We want it in a pill form. You see, we want to try to take shortcuts in everything that we do. How is it whenever God says that it's one way, 
we get impatient and we want to take a shortcut. We think instead of in one way, Tana, we, we just pass two perfectly good rivers to get to this one, but yet we, it's the most disgusting. It's so nasty. But I believe that the second dip that he laid down his sword just a little bit, showing, you know what, I'm going to lay down something this to this time. And I believe that he went down, and I believe that when he come up, I believe nothing happened. I believe that sometimes that God's ways may be as clear as mud. Sometimes what God wants you to do, listen, it, it's, it's, it's not glamorous by no means, no, no shape of the imagination this morning. But I believe that whenever he went down, I believe that he come back up and nothing happened. I'm supposed to have you back down. Go down. All right, come back up. <laughs> nothing happened. But sometimes, like I said, God's ways can be about as clear as mud, but we got to listen. And I believe the second dip, I believe that, that he took his shoes off just a little bit. And I believe that Naaman's feet, I believe that the leprosy had started coming on him just enough that, that the nerves in his legs were becoming uh, infected. I believe that he couldn't even feel the sharp rocks. I believe that he couldn't even feel the, 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 the rocks trying to cut his feet, but he went down. And nothing happened. Nothing happened again. And I believe that Naaman, as he spit out water, I believe that he was looking at his other leaders and he was saying, this is ridiculous. I, I'm, I'm making a, I'm, I'm completely, I look stupid out here right now. Everybody watching me. But I believe that whenever he thought that he was wasting his time and I believe then that he took off his breastplate a little bit. And you see, whenever Naaman took off his breastplate, he was being vulnerable to everybody. You see, that was a time that, that the enemy, because he was in enemy territory, and I'm going to tell you, sometimes we feel like we may be in enemy territory, but God wants to take some things off of you because he wants to get you in a place where he can do what he wants to do in your life this morning. And, you know, he took it off, and he was probably scanning the tree line. He was probably looking around because he was thinking, if somebody's in there, they're probably going to try to take me out this morning. But yet he went down again, and nothing happened. You see, now we're on the fifth dip, and his clothes were muddy. You see, he's probably thinking again, I'm done, but his servants are going, come on, Naaman. The, the man of God said, it, it's going to take seven times. You've only went down four. We've got to do this again. So he went down again, and nothing happened again. So everyone was, was standing around now because he's stripped down to his garments just a little bit. He was just in, in his T-shirt and, and his boxers or whatever the case may be. And, and he, he, he was sitting there and he was going, you know what, I, I, I feel so humiliated. Now everybody around knows that I have leprosy. Everybody knows that I'm sick. Everybody knows that I'm affected. Now I don't have the prestige that I once had. Now I don't, I'm not the mighty man of valor that everybody thinks I am. Now I'm not the hero that everybody thinks I once was. Now I don't have the same clout that I used to have because they know that I'm sick. They know that I'm infected. They know that they can never touch me. They know I can never get into his presence again. So he went down again. And nothing happened. And I believe that whenever he stripped away everything, and I'm going to tell you something, before God can move on your situation this morning, before God can ever take away what you need to give him this morning, he's got to humiliate you. He may get you to a place and not humiliate, but he's going to strip you of everything that you've got. He's going to take away all your, all your security blankets. He's going to take away your breastplate. He's going to take away your sword. He's going to take away your shoes. He's going to take away your helmet. He's going to take away everything. He's going to get you to a place where you lay all your garments of pride aside. 
because he can't move until he lays everything aside. You see, I believe that he could have healed Naaman on the first dip, but he had to strip away all of his stubbornness and all of his pride before he could ever heal him. You see, before God could ever heal you, before God could ever move in your situation, he's going to have to get rid of some stubbornness and some pride in each Now, I, I know that that may not be nobody in here, and I praise God for that, but sometimes there's some stubbornness and there's some pride that rises up in my life, and I believe before God can ever move in situations in my life, he's got to get me to a place where he takes away all my stubbornness, he takes away all my pride, and then he said, son, that's right where I want you at. That's when I can move in your situation. That's when I can see in the healing. That's whenever the touch will come, the morning hey man that's where the touch can come before God can heal you or before God can move up on your behalf he's got to get rid of that stubbornness and pride and I believe that he went down again and he went back and listen this time you healed and you know what then people can embrace you just a little bit thank you sissy because whenever you lay down everything that's when God can use you the most Whenever you lay down every bit of selfishness, every bit of your pride, every bit of your stubbornness, and whenever you say, you know what, I'm going to humiliate myself right here because I want to be right in your presence. I don't care if everybody's laughing. I don't care if everybody's pointing. I don't care because you know what? I, I need a touch from you this morning. I don't care about what people may say about me around the, the, the clock tomorrow morning at work. But all I know is I need a touch from the master this morning. I need a healing from God. You see, Elisha, whenever he got healed, he went back and he said, You know what? I, I want to I take some gifts to you. And whenever he, he said he wanted to take some gifts, and in verse number 17 he said, let your servant be given two mule loads of earth. And I thought to myself, listen, I've read that scripture many times in my life, Flip, and I never noticed that. And I got to thinking, I said, why in the world would he want that? But I'm going to tell you something. When God touches you, when God moves, he wants to give you a reminder you see, why is it whenever you go places, you always take pictures everywhere that you go? It's because whenever you get somewhere in the future, you can look back and say, you know what, that's where I've been. I've been there. I don't know about you, but whenever we go places this weekend here, probably next year, we'll probably show pictures here in a little bit of our, our retreat, and we can say, you know what, that's where we had a great time in the Lord at. That's where God moved in our situation. Uh, whenever we've been to Cancun or something like that, when me and Dar went, we took pictures. And now 20 years later, we can look back and say, we had a great time. Now we got kids and we can't go. But that's why we take pictures. It's because we can always remember where we've been. You see, every time that the enemy will come to you, you can always remind him. You can always say, you know what, this is where I got my victory at, Ray. You see, you know what, so many times we can say the devil's trying to defeat us and he tries to put us back and he tries to put us in the same situation that we were. But we can say right here's where I got my healing because I've got proof because I took a picture of it. I've got, I know because I've got the dirt that says that it's where it is. You see, it was the, the dirt was unchangeable reminder of what God had already done. And the second thing that I believe that Naaman did is he made a shrine. He made a special place. I don't know about you, but we need to make a special place that we can steal away and that we can say, you know what, God, I'm going to get into your presence right now. I'm not going to quit praying. I'm not going to quit until I can get into your presence. You see, he knew that that's where God can move because that was the same dirt that he got healed with, and he knew that the presence of God was dwelling there. 
So he made an altar out of it. And he knew that he could call upon God and the Holy Ghost would fall in that place. And I believe that the third thing was, while they can come into the music, is that he created an atmosphere. Hey, I'm going to tell you something right now, church, more now than ever, we need to start creating an atmosphere in our worship. We need to start creating an atmosphere believing that God's going to show up and that God's going to move and that God can still just touch each and every person this morning. All it takes is just one touch. But yet, whenever he got into the presence of God, whenever he come to the altar and he looked back and he said, this is what he done whenever I dipped the seventh time. You may be in this place this morning, you may have went down one time. You may have went down five times. You may have went down three times. You may have went down and you don't know, this may be your seventh time this morning. But just know that we need to create an atmosphere. Don't get frustrated with him. Just know that God's working something out in your life this morning. God's trying to get you to a place. He may be trying to get something out of your life so he can heal you this morning. He may be saying, you know what, I'm going to get yourself out of the way. I want you to get self out of the way. I want you to get your pride out of the way. I want you to get stubborn out of the way. I want you to get your past hurts out of the way. And whenever you come up, I believe that today can be your day. And you see, just like Dorothy, she was a student in that speech class. And whenever she, the, the teacher was moved with compassion, and he said that he rolled over there and he gave her a kiss on her cheek on the birthmark. He said, honey, that's okay. God and I still think that you're beautiful. Dorothy cried uncontrollably for about 20 minutes. The other students had gathered around her to give her comfort. And finally, when she could talk, this is the thing that she told her professor. She said, that's all I wanted was somebody to just tell me that they love me my mom and dad don't even won't even touch my face because of my birthmark you see Dorothy just like Naaman had layers of inner pain that was trapped beneath her outward scars and she was desperate for just one touch if you will let's stand across the buildings help me pray Dear God, we thank you and we praise you this morning for everything that you are to us, Lord. God, I pray right now, Lord, that you would just send one touch this morning, Lord. God, that you would move mightily upon somebody, Lord, that whatever the need may be this morning, Lord, you know before we could. But God, I pray right now, Lord, that you would strip away all of our pride, that you would strip away all of our stubbornness this morning. And God, that you can just get to us to a place that you can move upon our situation. God, teach us to be obedient more now than ever. Are you desperate this morning for a touch from God? You see, I don't know about you, but I believe that Naaman, I believe that Dorothy, I, I, I believe that they were desperate. They were going to go to whatever lengths that it would take, whatever necessary, just to feel the touch this morning. You may be here and you say, you know what, I've got some things before God. I need God to move upon. I need a touch this morning. If that's you, would you just shoot your hand up and say, that's me, Dwight. I need the Lord to move. Thank you for those hands. But you know what? How desperate are we going to be? If God said to go wash seven times, are you willing this morning to lay away aside everything and say, you know what? If I have to, I'll go down to a dirty river and I'll wash. This may be your first time. It may be your fifth time. You don't know. But how about if it was your seventh time this morning? What are you?